The following episode of the Tuesday Special Podcast is brought to you by Cabarrus Brewing Company. 329 McGill Avenue in Concord, North Carolina. Your beer from here. CabarrusBrewingCompany.com. Check them out. This episode is also brought to you by Threadforge Apparel Company. Threadforge Apparel is the best apparel company in North and South Carolina. Actually, I'll say the East Coast. Brad's an awesome dude, and they print quality stuff. You think of it, they'll print it. You can find them on Facebook, facebook.com backslash Threadforge. Check them out, Threadforge Apparel Company. Now let's get on with the episode. Everything you said, they already knew, more or less. Well, here's something that you didn't know. Two of those special atomic bombs haven't gone off. Welcome once again to another episode of the Tuesday Special Podcast. My name is Patrick Price, and I apologize. Last week I didn't catch you with a new episode. Had a lot going on, just couldn't get to it. I tried a few times. Uh, but we're coming back with a big hitter. Uh, this is somebody I've wanted on the podcast since I started it, and we finally got up yesterday and we knocked it out. Uh, the one and only Corky Franks. Uh, some people might not know Corky. Uh, most people in the Carolinas and anybody that's been to a WrestleCon show in the past four years uh, knows exactly who Corky is. Uh, Corky is, uh, from what people look at from the outside, Corky's an announcer, but Corky is so much more than that. Uh, me and Corky became friends. I I say I said seven or eight years ago. He says six. Uh, he's probably right on that. But uh, we started working together six years ago, and we Corky is he's very he's a unique uh, person. Uh, Corky is one of the most intense hustlers I have ever met in my entire life. If Corky says he's going to do something, he finds a way to do it. Uh, it's incredible. I've, uh, I can't take credit for getting him into the wrestling business. He goes into the story of how he got in, which I didn't, I knew kind of how he got in, but I didn't know the reasoning behind it. And it's a really awesome reasoning. Uh, very inspiring, but, uh, me and Corky have worked together at WrestleCon and in PWX and, uh, become like personal, really good friends over the past couple of years. Uh, and this is the first time that I've ever gotten to sit down and talk with him on, uh, an audio platform or that's recorded that people can listen to. So I'm really looking forward to everybody listening to it and their opinions on it and uh, their feedback. But uh, it's a great conversation. It's a little bit longer than my usual ones. It's an hour and a half cause and we could, we could have went three hours, but uh, we went in about an hour and it's about an hour and 40 minutes. The, the interview piece. And we talk about a lot. We talk about some fun uh, behind the scenes stories from PWX and WrestleCon. We talk about, uh, what it meant to us and the special moments we've had working together in the past, uh, past six years. But Hey, that's enough of my intro that you, you're going to hear me talking throughout this, but we, we're, you're here to listen to my interview with Corky and find out his story. So without further ado, this is my sit down with the one and only the greatest voice. I, I'm going to say in professional wrestling today, cause it is. The man, the myth, the legend, it is Corky Franks. Obviously, they underestimated the values. 
or it was all the work. They put cheap values on to so get people, you to come into the auction so you'll buy stuff. And that's, that's it. probably more like what it was. Everything's a work. His black fedora <laughs> estimated three to five hundred sold for a thousand. Here's another one, three to five hundred sold for eight hundred. So just to give some context to what me and Corky are talking about, Corky informed me that the auction of Hugh Hefner's not estate, but I guess goods at this estate pieces at the estate, the auction was taking place today and now we're looking up the results. How much was his smoking jacket? Smoking jacket, $25,000. So he had one jacket that he smoked in? No, that was just like the red one. Oh, okay. Like the famous red one. Yeah. He had a um, he had a gold ring that was estimated to sell between three and 500 bucks. Mm-hmm. When they opened it up, it had a Viagra pill in it. Uh, and I was reading, his wife said that in his later years, he liked to, when he liked to get frisky, he would open it up, and he always had a Viagra in his ring, sold for $22,000. And stock for Viagra just went up? The stock for that one Viagra went up. Has, is, I, I is wonder, Viagra I, I, still around? I'm pretty sure. Because now, from, well, the, according I mean, to all the podcast we listen to, Bluetooth. Blue yeah. <laughs> Hopefully we can get a Bluetooth sponsorship out of this. I'm sure you can. <laughs> I don't know how much they pay for you know, there's, X amount of listeners. Oh, this has to be a work because the estimates are too low. I mean, unless the shoes are cheap. I don't, I know. don't know. Some people with a lot of money buy cheap things. I don't, I mean, I get I, it, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, I get you on a, uh, listen, when I saw the estimates, I was like, maybe I'll get an account. And see if I can buy something. It's a piece of pop culture history, right? Yeah. But 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 see, what almost got me apparently got a lot of other people. The opening estimates were so cheap. Yeah, because then you get these collectors that collect well, you, everything well, come in here with big money. Or you get an average guy like me who's like, hey, I'd like to check it out. Maybe I'll buy something. Yeah, and then he gets caught in the gambling aspect of Then you go on and auctions. And, okay, so... Here's his military naval hat. I guess mm-hmm. he wore it around the mansion yeah. or something, okay. right? Estimate was a hundred to two hundred bucks. Anybody that wants a piece of pop probably, culture, that's probably like the cost of the hat if you bought it. If you okay. bought it at like a store. So if you if there was a hundred people who saw this that the auction was going to be this week, at least seventy people will log in to try to purchase something mm-hmm. based on the initial quote. Yeah. Of was it done? Where, how was it done? It sold for two thousand one hundred eighty-seven dollars and fifty cent. How like how was it? Was it all on, but the, you inter- know, on the internet? Yeah, the no, office? no. So it's live in Los Angeles, and you can join on the internet. Gotcha. Okay. But if seventy out of a hundred people joined, mm-hmm. you know, five or six of those guys who joined, or whatever the number is. Yeah. The point is, the people that signed up to try to purchase a hat or mm-hmm. a silk robe or whatever. Once they got in, they got suckered in. And, you know, they bid a whole lot more money than they were planning on. I oh, would yeah. have. Oh, yeah. But anyway. We're glad that you didn't get sucked in. You know, when I was uh, sitting here looking at it, I almost signed up too. So, Hugh Hefner Gucci glasses, 1600 bucks. Anyway, whatever. That's insane. 
They went for sixteen hundred bucks for this. Yeah. I'm trying to get my mic stand to stay up. So, give me. Uh, so you're flying out. Well, we'll get to Monster Jam because I want everybody to know your journey. Because as you'll hear in the intro of the podcast, I don't even know if you know how my journey started. I don't. That's what I want to get into. If I can ever get my fucking mic stand up. Stay up. Okay, we're just going to go with that. If you hear a big bang in the middle of this interview, you know that my mic stand fell. Hopefully you'll so, edit it out. We'll get, we'll get into I don't. It doesn't necessarily have to be all about wrestling. That's that's a big part of mine and your how me and you met, even though we're good friends personally. But uh I do want people to know because like I said, like I say in the opening of the podcast, you are maybe the I don't know how to put it, strongest grinder. Like you just grind. Hustler. Hustler, yeah. Speaking of we're just gonna we're gonna go straight uh, out of heaven. I guess we went from hustler. Playboy to Hustler to I'm a hustler. <laughs> not not the magazine, like official like Corky Hustles. Like, harder than I have ever seen anybody in my life hustle. And not and to change the subject back, but now Larry Flint and Hugh Hefner are dead, right? Yeah. Is okay. Larry Flint dead? I think so. I think, uh, maybe. I think so. Anyway. The, uh But, yeah, so how, how did you get started in announcing? Well, I have a degree in radio TV broadcasting that I never used because – I got started in the construction business. I was waiting on a job to open up a Channel 36. Um, I was I was doing camera work. I was actually the producer of the midday news show. And I did not know all this. Yeah. This so awesome. uh, yeah, I did camera work and editing it's and all great. kind of stuff. Yeah. And they were going to give me a job, and I had two weeks left of school, and I said, "Well, let me wait till my two weeks are up." And then I'll get back with you. You know, I just wanted to get the paper. I knew I would never go back, so whatever. Yeah. Well, a friend of mine called right when I finished up. He said, hey, man, uh, we need some help with uh, building a house. I said, well, yeah, I don't know anything about that, right? Mm -hmm. He said, well, it pays 15 bucks an hour cash money. I'm like, okay, I can oh. learn quick. Yeah. <laughs> so I worked the first week. I have 600 bucks in my pocket, cash money. And I'm like, man, I'm rich. I'm just yeah. a kid, right? Yeah. So I think, now, what's the age range right about now? Twenties, uh, yeah, yeah, twenties, early twenties, early twenties. So I'm like, dude, I'm rich. I work a second week. Well, about that time, Channel Thirty Six calls me back, and I'm like, thanks, but no thanks. I'm rich. Um, yeah, yeah, I got cash, some, money, no yeah, taxes. Yeah, I've got life figured out. Man, I'll catch you later. <laughs> well, long story short, Which fast is crazy. Yeah, long story short, fast forward, I guess twenty years, and um, I have two daughters. And I was thinking, I just, I'd been going to Nicaragua doing mission work. Mm -hmm. And um, the only way to get in t stay in touch with the people from Nicaragua, I mean, they live in the jungle, dude. Yeah. It's not like they're, you know, downtown yeah. Charlotte or something. So the only way to get in touch with them was through Facebook. So I created a Facebook account. And I was still watching wrestling somewhat. Um, Have you been a fan of wrestling your entire life? Like, kind of off and on. Gotcha. Um, you know, because let's face it sucks at some periods it mm -hmm. sucks now but yes i mean it is what it is it's not entertaining it's not entertaining to me i don't, I don't watch wrestling for the moves that's you know i watch it to be entertained just like yeah. i watch a movie to be entertained yeah whatever. same deal um mindless entertainment mm -hmm. you get lost in it yeah that's just simple um so anyway i told my wife i said um 
I need to show my girls that if a middle-aged white guy can pursue his dreams and make them become a reality, mm -hmm. then they can as well. And as silly and cliche as that sounds, I mean, that's, that's all the motivation you needed. So, yeah, that's all I needed. So I was working construction. I owned an air conditioning business. And um, I met a guy on the job. Well, he liked wrestling. For some reason, we started talking about wrestling one day. Yeah. Um, he mentions that he was a wrestler for some promotion, XWW, right? Mm -hmm. I'm like, what is that crap? Because, <laughs> dude, I, all I knew was WWF yeah. and Jim Crockett Promotions and WCW. That's all. I, I didn't realize there was uh, wrestling schools and, mm -hmm. and independent wrestling promotions. I had no clue. And this was? Six years ago. Was it six years ago? Yeah, okay. Yeah, like six years. That's longer than six years ago. No, well, I've only been doing this about six years. Has to be. No, was... I'm telling you, yeah. Okay, you might be right. Yeah, I mean, give or take a couple months. Okay. Um, so anyway, uh, I said, what's your name, wrestling name? He told me, where are you from? What's your weight? So I introduced him, right? Mm -hmm. Because I was when I was a kid, I always liked watching boxing on Saturday afternoons or Sunday afternoons or um, – you know, Saturday nights yeah. or whatever. So we didn't have a lot growing up. So these announcers would suck me into the TV with their style. They were telling yeah. a story. You know, this guy's from here. Or, or You know, it would be like, um, this bout is brought to you by such and such and such and such. And Budweiser, king of beers. Yeah. You know, and Mike Tyson was hot. So we had a reason to watch boxing and stuff. But those announcers would suck me in, and, man, I would get goosebumps, and I wanted to, you know, get into TV and fight. I was, yeah. So anyway, I've always tried to mimic those guys. And uh, when Buddy gave me his wrestling information, I introduced him in a, in a new house mm -hmm. under construction. Yeah. He really. said, dude, you have to come do this for us. Yeah. Right? So uh, I was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> well, I did it. I can see you saying, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so I, I thought it was the dumbest thing ever. So I did it. It was um, it was at the Albemarle Road Recreation Center. Okay. For XWW, maybe mm -hmm. forty people there. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. It was and, that one that small building they, when they started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The little with the white walls and all yeah. that. Okay. So it was there. Um, they had a one speaker's corded mic set up, like a big bass <laughs> yeah. speaker in in the center of the ring, or maybe set to the side. But anyway, it was toward the audience. Yeah. And I was almost ashamed of myself for doing it because there was nobody there. Yeah. And not and listen, I mean, I'm confident, but I'm not arrogant. Yeah. I don't think so. But I thought I was a whole lot better than being yeah. in front of 40 people, right? Yeah, very humbling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I could get those 40 people to react the way that I reacted when I was a kid watching that stuff, or younger watching that stuff on TV. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, crap. You can't, dude, it was like you were on drugs or something like that. Rush oh, yeah. in the high for just, but, it, I mean, it was selfish or oh, whatever. Yeah, but that's. But it was fun. I liked it. The beauty and, of it. Yeah. So, in the, about the same time I'd went to Nicaragua, um, I was in contact with the people from Nicaragua. It's not mm -hmm. like you pick up a phone and call them in the yeah. jungle, right? So, about that time, I started looking up wrestling promotions. I guess I would search like wrestling promotions, Carolinas, or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And PWX would pop up. Mm -hmm. Pro Wrestling Evo would pop up. Yeah. And 
uh, I saw where PWX would have was having Jerry the King Lawler come <laughs> to a show in York, South Carolina, and I was like, if I could get on that show and the King would hear me, I'm so good he would give me a shot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, that's not how it works. <laughs> but I mean, it is kind of how yeah, it works. Yeah, it is. It is yeah. kind of how it works, but it's not really how it works, right? Yeah. Especially for a middle-aged white guy. Um. But anyway, man, that's how I started doing it, and. I saw uh, PWX, and he had all these big name guys come, or the guys that I would the ring recognize. Of honor guys. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, I, I you know that's back when Tyler would bring in like Lawler and a uh, yeah. Biss, maybe. From, yeah, but I just and, remember, I remembered, uh, I remember Jerry Lawler, mm-hmm. and I remember seeing this guy, the Man Scout Jake Manning and Grizzly Redwood, and he was always yeah. talking, and he came across as being like, um, like kind of intimidating, like he was a jerk or something like yeah. that. Um, I mean that is his persona, but Jake's not a jerk at no. all. At least he's not to me. No, yeah, like once you but but it once really you understand Jake and understand like his what's the word I'm looking but for. But I could see I could his see, mannerisms and the way he comes across, like the way he just he carries himself. But I can you understand it. But see, I could see Jake's confidence in his character, yes, and agreed. I wanted to work around that guy. Yeah, I knew he wasn't on TV every week, mm-hmm. but I knew that I, I kind of felt like. It just kind of felt like he was the guy. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, and, and I didn't even know. I didn't know Cedric Alexander, Jake Skyler. Yeah. I knew. I didn't know any of these guys. That existed. was yeah. That was before Marcellus. If I'm not mistaken, that's when Jake was like the like top of the crop. He might have been, but I could like he was. He had, but Jake. Jake has always been like. That's why whenever we say Jake was the foundation of PWX, like he has been the foundation of PWX because he's been here since day one. I but, remember when I started, not to get off on a Jake Grant. When I started with PWX, and it was Jake and Joey Sylvia, and uh, against Team Maction in a cage at Rise of a Champion, maybe f- five or six. I don't know. And uh, that was the main event, and like Jake, and they were called the Elite Icons because it was Elite Jake Manning, which is weird now. Uh, elite Jake Manning versus the Icon Joey Sylvia. I mean, and the icons. So they were the elite icons. Look at that. Now, look up. We need to look up that stuff and just watch but it the, and have the, fun. You know, the thing about Jake was, um, is again, I had no clue independent wrestling was even a thing mm-hmm. until I was in front of forty people, yeah. and then I was trying to figure out. I, you know, listen, man. You know, my dad never owned Duke Power. You know, my yeah. dad's never been the CEO of a bank. I was never going to get a shot yeah. starting at the top. If you have I, to work for everything that you get. Everything I've ever got. I wanted to start at the bottom. Not to I'm, pigeonhole people that are in no. that, but it is easier when money is there to. I never wanted that, man. You know, I wanted to start at the bottom. I wanted everybody to know that Corky Frank started at the bottom. Yes. At the very bottom. We just gave the guy a shot and he ran with it. I knew if I ever, I mean, that's just. You, just, you hustled and you took advantage of opportunities. That's what I've done my whole life. Yes. So, you know, even though I was in front of 40 people, I knew if I got a shot, I would make it work, right? Yeah. But, some, you know, not to make this about Jake, but just something told me when I started seeing these guys that I needed to work around that guy. I felt mm-hmm. like he was the guy I needed to work around. Like, you could tell he was the guy. Um, but, you know, man, he I was went, the professionalism you wanted to be around. Maybe, you know. I mean, I knew he was the next step up from Jerry the King Lawler. Yeah. You know, I knew if I could, I felt like if I got in front of the King, I could get to WWE. And I felt like even if I didn't, if I could get around this Jake guy, I could at least learn something from him yeah. to make me better so I might get another shot. I didn't know where the – 
other shot was coming from, right? Yeah. I just felt like I, I could get a shot. Well, I went from XWW to I sent you an email. You did? Or a text or reached out on Twitter or Have something. We, me, and, and you, me and you have talked about how I booked you for that pre-show, didn't Well, we? yeah. I mean, I don't know if you remember the story, and you don't have any reason to, but I do because it's my, I do. And it's my story. But I reached out to you either, you know, somehow, social mm-hmm. media, email, something. Because it was you. You had reached out to me, and then the other guy, that other guy reached out to me uh, right, like, almost directly after and I, I didn't have a ring announcer. Like I think Shore was doing it. Well, what you had was you said, um, see, I did some research, right? Okay. The way I've got a lot of my gigs and a lot of my spots mm-hmm. was I will find a place that I want to, and I hope that somebody listening to this does the same thing that I did. Yeah. Um, I'm not politically correct at all. Mm-hmm. I'm a straight shooter, and I believe you keep your mouth shut. A truer and you, statement has never, <laughs> has never been I believe been you keep your mouth shut. You're you earn a shot, mm-hmm. you be respectful, you work hard, and you'll get another shot. Exactly. You don't have to kiss somebody's butt. You don't have. You don't have to play the hus- the wrestling hustle game. You don't have politics. To, that's the dumbest thing ever. That's why the guys are still making twenty bucks on these shows, and they're content thinking they're outsmarting somebody. The only person they're working is themselves. But anyway, I would look at like I saw PWX and I saw mm-hmm. Evo, mm-hmm. and I saw the announcer, and I would watch clips, mm-hmm. and I was like. Oh, I'm better than that guy. Yeah. But I knew humility would yeah. get me in the door, and I knew my hard work and effort would really? get me the spot, right? So I sent you – I reached out to you however it was. Mm-hmm. It, was by, it was either by email or Facebook Messenger. And I said, um, I said, hey, man, Corky Frank's here. I know you don't know me. You don't have a reason to know me. Um, I'm the announcer for XWW, and I know you have a, a great ring announcer in Chris Shore, but if you ever need a backup – I'd love to come and be a part of it. Yeah. And that was it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that was it. And you reached out to me because Chris Shore couldn't make a oh, pre-show. Oh, let me tell this story. He, could, he couldn't make it. Yeah. You had like uh, Evolve or somebody. So we had Evolve coming in, and the deal that Evolve was doing at that point was they would give you like a three – like they'd give your promotion like a three-show uh, pre-show match. And – in that pre-show match, like you, it was basically your show, but pre-show match, and I had talked to everybody like, "Listen, it's not a paid gig; it just gets you, it gets the guys that I'm going to use seen by Evolve." Nor should, should it have yeah. been a paid gig. I mean, and, maybe a uh, something. Yeah, sure. Said he couldn't make it because I think it was a, some kind of wife's birthday or anniversary or something like that. And Ty Sean was like, "Have you heard of this Corky Franks guy?" And I said, "He sent me a message about it." He goes, "Dude, he's really good." You need to give him a shot. And I said, well, do you have his number? I think that I, I think I, te- I either I text you or something. I said, do you have his number? I think I text you. And I, and he goes, yeah. And he gave me your number. And I text you. And I said, listen, I can't, Shore's not available. I saw your message. Would you like to come? It's not a paid gig, yeah. but I need a ring announcer, and I'd love to give you a shot. And then that was the text back. Like, I'd love to be there. I'd, I'll be there. I think I was at the beach that weekend, and I drove back or something or came back early. Oh, that makes me feel so bad. Why should it? Uh, I mean, look what I'm doing now. Yeah, so, true. Um, but I remember you showed up at the – it was at Cabarrus Arena. If you go to PWX shows, it's the same building that we run now. It was at Cabarrus Arena, and Corky showed up, and he had a khakis, a polo shirt, <clears throat> nice dress shoes, like dressed to the tees. And I was like – what what's like hey and i was like this guy's professional as hell 
showing up like that because this is this is before everybody started doing that this yeah. is before it was the it was the norm to show up in nice clothes or dress clothes if you're trying to get a job or you're trying to do something this is when wwe superstars were wearing their uh hoodies and backwards hats and yeah like because they're cool right yeah yeah they're and it's like this wasn't a norm like now you say okay well that's how anybody would show up to do it no that wasn't the norm this was when people like wrestlers you book wrestlers and they'd show up in their cut off sleeve t shirts and uh gym shorts and be like, and say, Well, when you watch me work I you'll you'll like my stuff. Yeah. It's not about now where you have to be That that's funny that you said uh Tyshawn told you I was pretty good because the only way he would have known that is by coming to an XWW show. Because um he was the timekeeper at ringside for those shows. Mm-hmm. And when I came out of the ring and sat down, I did the opening mm-hmm. Welcome to whatever, yeah. whatever, whatever, um, the pre-show, right? Mm-hmm. Introduced the first match, went to ringside. Um, and Tyshawn said, where the beep did you come from? Or something like yeah. that. He's like, dude, the crazy thing he is- said, you're my new announcer. Yeah. And I and- knew Ty from the Facebook stuff. Again, you yeah. know, when I was on there talking to the Nicaragua buddies or whatever, I would search the wrestling stuff. Yeah. And that's how I knew Ty was. And I was like, you know what? I'll finally get that shot in PWX. Jerry the King Lawler's not here anymore, but I'll make it work. Well, you didn't. You didn't go to PWX until after you did the Evo. Pre-show. I did your show first. Yeah. Okay. I did Evo That's first because because after you did like I remember after the first thing that you announced, I was like, he's my, he's my ring announcer from now on. Yeah. I thought sure, like, I'll pay him what he know what I need to pay him. Sure had to be pissed. I probably. He didn't say anything. But once again, like I love Shore to death. And me and Shore have had it's business. Me and him have had our differences on things and et cetera, et cetera. Me and everybody's had our differences on things. Me and you have had our differences on things. But uh But Shore that's funny, I don't remember any of them. Well, that's it's because, never personal. Like me, me and you personal. both have No, no, no. Me and you both understand that it's uh like we we get our frustrations out. We are we're both business people, so we listen. It's that we never take personal shots at each other. It's just about this sucks. <laughs> Why is yours staying up and mine's not? I don't know because I'm not messing with it. This is bullshit. But uh, the we because whenever we we would have like disagreements. We were both professional and we never took personal shots at each other, which a lot of people do like for some weird reason, but we, we would get our frustrations out. We would both analyze what each other said and then we move on. Like we wouldn't sit on it. It'd just be like, okay, whatever. Okay. I I'll take what you said into consideration. Uh, you take what I said into consideration. And when we work together moving forward, we both take that into consideration and we try to fix what we did wrong. Yeah. And that's like that's the difference. That's the difference. Uh, yeah, but like what I was saying was, Shore was a fan, and that's that's the thing that a lot of people, when a fan gets an opportunity to get in the business, I don't mean this in a sense of like you work you work your way into getting to a point where you become a part of the wrestling business and you work your way to get the opportunity after opportunity. When a fan gets a big opportunity and they haven't been through, if so if you're a wrestler, get trained. And that's when you kind of, that's when you learn the wrestling aspect of the business. If you're an announcer, learn from other announcers, but with, I mean, and I, this isn't, this sounds like I'm just shitting on shore, but it's, I'm not because there's a lot of people in, in wrestling, especially in, 
independent wrestling now that were fans that are now booking a territory or like doing something else that involves the business and they don't understand the business and things are falling apart around them because of that. And so whenever, whenever, I mean, I feel like I've done my time in wrestling and I've had enough success stories that I can voice my opinion on things and it can be taken credibly. But some people, they think they have more, they think they're more knowledgeable about things than they're, than they really are. And that turns into a, do you understand that? Like I gave you the opportunity, but you know, my, my thing is I had zero training. I, I got in the wrestling business to get out of the wrestling business. Yeah. I never got in the wrestling business to stay in the wrestling business. You know, when I found out how much they paid at WWE, now don't get me wrong. Um, I would have loved to have been the SmackDown ring announcer. Justin Roberts was the raw guy. Mm-hmm. I would have liked to have been the SmackDown guy. But, you know, when you find out what they get paid, I'm like, yeah, I have to take a pay cut, right? Um, that's when I decided to use what I did in the wrestling business to get out of the wrestling business. Yeah. You know, the only thing I ever wanted to bring to it was some professionalism. Um not that I knew it didn't have any in it or how much it had mm-hmm. or if it was full of it or whatever. I just knew that I knew the way I was raised and the way I found success was by keeping my mouth shut, working hard, being appreciative, being thankful. And even when you do all those things, you aren't guaranteed success. But if you do all those things, you're guaranteed to be in a position to succeed. Yeah. And I knew and I that, would. But that's the right way to do it. I mean, I, I did a horrible job of, of explaining what I meant with with that whole thing, it's just that you you're smart enough to know when like for for example when I, when I worked with you you would ask me about like so we want to do it like this do you want me to the following contest set for one fall and then you play music out and I announce over music or do you want me to do this you don't just show up and say well listen this is how I do it this is how I'm going to do it but when you got to the point of professionalism where you had done it enough and you had learned enough and, I and, knew you, what worked. and you knew it worked. Then me and you can have an educated conversation yeah. about like, I think this is the best way we can do it. And let's do it like this. And we're both well, on this the same, same page. You know, it was the same way last weekend at WrestleCade, you mm-hmm. know, Jeff Jarrett's there and he's having a production meeting. Jake's there. Seth is there. I mean, everybody's there. Yeah. And, um, they're trying to figure out how we're going to do this. And we're coming, you know, time cue here, time cue here, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, I didn't want to be the bad guy. But I've done it enough and worked around enough people to know what works. Yeah. And I've done, you know, the last four or five WrestleCades, and I know what Tracy and Brian want. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm their announcer. Yeah, they that's know why I, you continue to get gigs there. They know I can, you know, kind of weave in, and the timing's good, and we're mm-hmm. not burning, we're not wasting, there's no dead air, it's bing, bang, boom, and we keep going. Exactly. Um, so I just spoke up and said, let's do it this way, mm-hmm. A, B, C. X, Y, Z, the end. Yeah. That was it. Dude, I couldn't come in from day one and do that stuff. Exactly. You know, I have had, I've had to been around the block and, and people respect me now and I've had mm-hmm. to prove myself and carry rings and set up rings and set up sound. And yeah, yeah, I've had to do all that stuff and put my time in to be in a position where people will listen to me now. Yeah. Not that I want to be in the position. I just got tired of sitting there listening to the same thing over and over for 10 minutes. They we weren't failed. going anywhere. Yeah. I had something to do mm-hmm. and I didn't want to sit there and listen to it anymore. Yeah. 
So somebody's got to finally make the decision. Yeah, just make a decision. On. And a lot of times in this business, a guy won't make a decision because he don't want to be the bad guy. Yeah. Because as soon as he is, then the other guy can run to the back and bury this guy so they can put themselves over, so they can be the superstar. It's just, it's like a, it is it's unreal. High school. It's like high school. It's unreal. It's worse than high school. Like, that's, an, that's another topic. I'm not, yeah. And we're not trashing the wrestling business. It's just we're talking about the issues that it, are at hand with the wrestling so business. It's so much easier. Like, you know, when we go do stuff for Michael, the WrestleCon deal, mm-hmm. Every Tom, Dick, and Harry that's been on TV shows up, right? Mm-hmm. And they want to tell you what they want to do. Yeah. But it takes them 20 minutes to tell you what they want to do. Then somebody changes it. When they can do it in 30 seconds. Yeah. But me, you, whoever else you bring on the production, we can sit down in three minutes mm-hmm. and figure out how to run eight live shows yeah. consecutively. Th- eight we live shows even, in three days. We can, we can talk one time yeah. for three to five minutes before the first show. We don't have to talk again unless somebody's going to go pick up some food. Yeah. Hey, what do you want? Bring yeah. this back. And so many people want to come in and be redundant and not figure out what they want to do. Exactly. They can't make their mind up. It's too they, many cooks in the kitchen. Well, they don't have any confidence either. But it, yeah. And it's, uh, it's a lot of insecurity. Well, me and, me and you can talk with like looks now. Yeah. Like you can give me a look, and I know your look to like go ahead and play the music, or you know, go ahead and hit it and stuff like that. And you do it in the crowd, unless the crowd's staring at you the entire time, like it goes un, like unseen. Yeah, that's, and that that that's an that's an testament to how long we've worked together. Yeah, but see, that's I, also an testament to the, and this is me putting myself over, but also putting you over. No, the profession never put yourself over. <laughs> the professionalism. That's at hand at those shows. Well, here's what gets me is everybody wants to get all their stuff in every time they get a chance. Dude, the only reason I have had any amount of success in anything I've ever done is because I failed. Yeah. The difference is I know I'm going to fail when I step. Anytime I step to a situation, I know I'm going to fail. I can't wait to fail so I can figure out how to make it a success later. Yeah. Then the next time I go out, I can't wait. I can't be the best until I fail. Yeah. And yeah, that's that's a part of the story. That's always a part of the story. The fun story. part is when you screw up and you figure out that you're good enough to fix it instantly so nobody yeah. knows it, right? Yeah. That's the fun part. And the guys who sit down and want to talk about what we're going to do for the production for 45 minutes when mm-hmm. we could iron it out in three minutes. Yeah. And get something else done. They act like that they other... can make the show perfect. The show's, the show's not going to be perfect. We're going to screw up 10,000 times, but our crew yeah. and our team is going to be good enough We're, to cover for yeah, everybody exactly. the whole time it's not it's not nobody, it's not if you screw up it's it's covering your screw up to where no one understands that it was a mess and up. nobody knows that we screw up except for us yeah nobody knows it and if we screw up and it's blatant and the cadence isn't there mm-hmm. or say it's an in-ring thing yeah and you screw up mm-hmm. we try to surround ourselves with enough talent where they know that we screw up yeah, and instead so of fairness, they just turn it into an angle or a exactly. story or something and cover it up, and nobody ever knows. And that's what the fun part about it is. But you got to have confidence. In best, that. best story ever. And listen, I didn't have confidence doing this when I started, dude. When I was at XWW and there yeah. was forty people, I was pissing my pants. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Think about that now. The it's ridiculous. The uh, best story. Let me close example. something up real quick that okay. we started talking about earlier. Um, you know, I did this stuff to prove to my girls that if I could pull it off, they can pull it off. Mm-hmm. And now, um, my youngest daughter is a sophomore in high school. 
she's playing two sports. Um, she'll be the starting pitcher this year as a sophomore, yeah. left-handed pitcher. She plays. She's the libero on the volleyball team. Brittany, my oldest daughter, she was in high school when I first started, mm-hmm. and I would always tell her how I would fail and how I'd fail yeah. and how I'd figure it out, and his, this is what I would do. Well, now she's a sophomore in college. She plays two sports. She's on the dean's list. She's the head captain of the softball team. She got named that as a freshman. And all that stuff started with this ridiculous pipe dream that I had from a piece of paper that I had 20 years ago that I told my wife I was going to use it and challenge myself. So the point is, if I can pull this crap off, not that I'm anybody anyway, but if I can go from, from having a piece of paper and a dream to set an example for my kids to inspire them so they can chase their dreams. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with that? Nothing. I didn't lose anything. I love it. You know, and now Brittany, she wants to be an orthodontist, and she will be. She's majoring in biology and et cetera, et cetera. I just drove two hours last night to take her on a dinner date. Yeah. It's the kind of stuff you have to do. You know, it's, it's fun to do it. Um, so, you know, I wanted to close that up. If I can pull the crap off, anybody can. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, I used to watch all these guys whose spot that I wanted. Yeah. And I would say I'm better than they are at this. They might be better than me at this, but I'm better than them yeah. at this. So the point is there needs to be somebody watching what I used to do. Yeah. Saying, hey, that guy's pretty good, and that guy got this spot here. But, but I'm better than him. But he's got a little country twang. Yeah. Um, you know, he he might wear some custom suits, but he don't wear cufflinks. Yeah. Or he, you know, pick out something that I don't do that you can do better that you can be the next guy. Aspire, then, to be, aspire to be better than the person that's ahead of you. And there should be somebody behind that guy wanting to be the next guy. I yeah. mean, that's the way it should all. Your spot's only your spot till somebody comes and takes it or exactly. do you give it. It's not your spot forever. Mm-hmm. And that's the – you don't want it to – why would you want it to be your spot forever? Then you're just stuck in the same spot for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. You know, do it for a little bit, learn something, and go find something else to do. Exactly. So, you know, that's what people should aspire to do. You know, I, I did it to inspire my kids. Yeah. Um, and I aspired to be the announcer at this place, this place, and this place. I don't want to announce anymore. I've got other stuff I want to do now. Yeah. Some, I want somebody to come take my old spot. You know, yeah. Somebody needs to take Brett Wolverton's spot. Brett Wolverton needs to go do something to take somebody else's spot. And yeah. that, and that guy, that he's, the spot that he takes, he needs to go take somebody else's spot. Yeah. You know, why would you want to stay, stay in the same place forever? Whatever your name is or whatever your spot is. Yeah. The uh... – I agree 100%. I just felt like we needed to yeah, yeah. That's, close that up. And I never knew that it all began because of the showing your daughters. I know we talked about that before in somewhat of like you're just showing your daughters. Yeah. But I, I didn't know that was one of the driving forces. That was the driving force. Oh. You know, the, when your kindergarten teacher tells you that you can be anything you want to be, she's right. Yeah. But the problem is they never take time to sit down and teach you how you can do it. Yeah. You know, the, the coach of the high school football team, he has to win on Friday because, mm-hmm. God forbid, his little reputation is he loses a game to the crosstown rival, yeah. and now all of a sudden his egos, who gives a crap? Are you kidding me? I tell my kids, instant success only lasts an instant. Yep. It's over with. It's like mm-hmm. instant grits. They're good till they dry out, then they're no good. Yeah. You know, it don't work. you got to put the work in. and. Sometimes you have to sacrifice losing that game to the crosstown rival to slow down so you can teach. Yeah. So you can get better at the end of the season when it counts. Yeah. Because the guy who beat the crosstown rival guy who beat you on opening weekend, that guy's going to be flipping burgers somewhere later on in life. 
Mm-hmm. Whenever and that's a, that's his claim to fame. Yeah. Oh, I beat that guy on Friday. Scored two touchdowns against. Yeah. Who hadn't scored two touchdowns against them? Right? Yeah, everybody yeah. does it. Yeah, but you gotta you gotta sacrifice something along the way to have some success. The what I was gonna say earlier was the I think you and you were announcing this the biggest screw up of my career in production was when we were in Miami. And it was Jeff Cobb versus Bobby Lashley. <laughs> Do you remember this? I don't remember. And uh, like the way, like I wouldn't get the card for the main show until like a day before the main show. I didn't do the WrestleCon Miami show. Oh, you didn't? No. Nope. Were you not down there? Mm-mm. Oh, did you have Monster Jam that weekend? How long ago was it? That was four. No, that was like four years ago. Oh, maybe I did. Orlando? No, it was Miami. I... No, it wasn't Miami. It was Orlando. It was Orlando. My okay, fault. Well, so how did you mess it up? Because whenever, because and Mike and I told and I always tell Mike I'll do the videos. So I got a Bobby Lashley video that had some kind of country music playing on it. That was his actual oh, video. I remember that? That was his yeah, actual yeah, yeah, video. Yeah. yeah, he came out. But through I the had crowd. to. But I had. You ran to, to the back. Yeah. I had. What I have to do is I have to take. I have to pull that video off YouTube. Then I pull his music off YouTube and I create the file of his video. I with remember his music. that. Yeah. And I thought that was it. And there's no way for me to test it. And I played it, and it was a, that country music, and I was like, "Oh shit!" And I don't have okay. His so, music. so for whoever's you know, for you guys listening, you need to go to highspotswrestlingnetwork dot com. Is it? Did it make it on the feed, like on the thing? I hope it did. Oh my god! If if it didn't, it's so embarrassing. If it didn't, then the High Spots Wrestling Network's <laughs> worth the money anyway. Yeah. So, uh, this is just a bonus. It's always fun to hear stories like this so you can go back and watch it and figure out why. So, you know, all this stuff just don't happen. Yeah. There's a million reasons yeah. why. There's, so I go. Uh, dude, you were running the music. I was. You and ran, the lights. Yep. And the video screen. And you ran to the back. I ran. Yeah, I ran around the crowd all the way to the back. And I looked at Lashley and I said, I don't know what's happening, but that's the only music I had for you. And he looks at me and he goes, Shit. Which worked out great because he was the Impact Wrestling Champion yes. or TNA or whatever it was called yes. at the time. Everybody hated that In, promotion yeah, anyway. Yeah. He was the heel. He was the bad guy. So when he came out to the wrong – he had heat before he even came well, he out. Came, well, he, I said, can you come through the crowd? He goes, fuck it. And he, he walks around and comes out to the crowd, and it made him a heel. It made him even – it, it, it gave him even more heat than he was going to have, so it worked out and anyway. So every time I see Bobby Lashley, which is the nicest guy ever, it's the nicest guy ever, and probably didn't even – probably was pissed off about it at the moment, but never even thinks about it now because he got his money and he went on. Um, every time I see him, I, I just get so embarrassed. Like, almost like, like my pants fell down and a girl, like – or my pants were down in front of a crowd, and every time I see anybody that's in that crowd. Yeah, but that goes to back they, to what we were talking about earlier. You're going to make mistakes, and you have to figure oh, out how to cover them. Oh, you have professionals around the cover. And it. everybody covered. But and the, nobody would have known the story if you hadn't just told it, right? The icing on the cake is I talked to Mike after the show. Well, I apologized to Bobby. I said, that, that's all completely on me. It was, it was the wrong file. And he's like, no, man, man, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I talked to Mike. I was like, "Dude, was Bobby pissed about that?" I, I did. I'm sorry, Mike. And Mike's laughing about it, and because uh, Mike knows that I don't screw up very often. And uh, he said, "Bobby wasn't really mad about it. You know who was mad about it?" And I said, "Who?" He said, "Loki." I have no clue why Loki was mad about it. God, dude. <laughs> but not- I was like, I was like, Loki can't do, can't say anything to me because 
I like hit his entrance. You remember his entrance? Yeah. I hit his entrance on point. Yeah. Because he had that light. Because nobody knew who was there. Yeah. And we did the blackout with yeah. the lights, and then they came up, and he was in the ring, right at on, right at like the twenty two mark of the song. Well, you know, and I was like, come on. But I, that's that's the most embarrassing moment of my entire production career. My experience being around him was at that very first Evo show that you did. Oh, the yeah, where he wrestled for Evolve. Yep. And yes. he was out back, and he was berating every talent that had a match. Yeah. And I was like, no offense to this guy, but he's just another guy on the card like me yeah. and everybody else. And I get it trying to help people out. But give and, constructive and, criticism. And, I, and I get it saying, hey, man, listen um, – you know, this didn't work here. What if you'd have tried this? And then you go down the road, and next week you try that and see if it works. I yeah. get that. But, like, I thought he was going to come to blows with those guys. And they were so intimidated by him. Yeah. I guess, I mean, I don't know who was out there. But I guess looking back on it, maybe it was some new guys in the business, and he was using his experience. Yeah, I think I, I'm pretty sure. Leverage or, or I'm pretty sure this was right after he came back from WWE. Or his grizzled vet yeah. status, you know, to – Belittle somebody or yeah. or be better. I don't know. I remember him going somebody. back but after thought, his match. But I had, um, you know, after that, I was like, I don't want to be around this guy ever again. Yeah, I remember after his. I match, mean, I'm not you saying, could hear him he's, throwing. He's, the, he may be the nicest guy on the planet. No, but I just didn't want to. Ha- I didn't want to be around. I've had, yeah, I've had that, which I wasn't back there for that. But whole listen, deal, I but I've been a jerk before too. So yeah, we all. Have. I get it. Yeah, it's no big deal. But he's that was a bad. A first, that was a person. bad first impression. Yeah. But the, yeah, the because uh, again, that was one of my first big shows. It was on mm-hmm. iPay-Per-View. Yeah, you know, it was at the arena, and I was like, "Golly, if this is what it's about, I need to hurry up and get out of here." Yeah, kind of deal. All right, so back to your journey. So we got you, and then you got into PWX. Mm-hmm. And what was the first PWX show you ever did? Was it was it the uh, Steen Caleb in a ma- in a cage? I have no clue. I couldn't tell you. I mean, I remember that. I remember that. Was, was Shore still the ring announcer for PWX? Yeah, until I did the Evolve. Until you did the Evolve thing. When I did the then Evolve you, thing, yeah. Because I, I remember I told Ty, like, thank you for the connection to Corky because he, he's insanely good. I'm going to start using him. And Ty's like, well, if you're going to start using him, I'm going to start using him as yeah, well. Yeah, both of you guys started using me at the same yeah. time, which is probably better for sure anyway. I mean, he was doing commentary. Well, yeah, yeah. He, he, that was back in the days where the announcer would run back to the commentary table and right. do commentary. Yeah, and it just was cheesy. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And, and they'd get back and they'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. all right, guys. Oh, here we go, fans, wrestling fans, stand by. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, after he's out of breath. Not not that nothing against him, but the, everybody does that. Yeah, the – but it just makes it better. You have a couple guys. In, let me see. In your announcing in PWX, what I'm going to hit every like major thing from here on out because PWX, PWX, like you, you were announcing for PWX when we were drawing what, like maybe 150 fans. Yeah, probably. Like yeah. so, you from? Did you ever announce at the uh, the place right across from where Hotspots is? That uh, no, center? the uh, nope. I never okay. did that. So it was, it was after I had gotten them into Cabarrus. Yeah, I, I guess I started at Cabarrus. Maybe um, I think so because whenever I closed, I closed Evo shortly after you started we did, with we me. We did the neighborhood theater. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I had a horrible experience with uh, what's the what's the guy's name in WWE now that that wrestled for you? Uh, KC. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So this was we'll his, say KC, so people like we'll know who he is, but not. 
Yeah, this was his last show before going to WWE. Oh, you had a bad experience with him? And this was right when this was right when WWE first started hiring people. Uh-huh. You know, they started picking yeah. people from the started indies. Picking, yeah. yeah, I guess he had to have been one of the first guys to get picked from the indies. I think so. Because uh, I remember showing up, and they were like, you know, Vince McMahon bought all the territories, et cetera, et cetera. There's no more territories. Where's he getting wrestlers from? And I remember thinking, and I didn't know anything about the system, but I remember thinking then, Dude, here's XWW. They have their own brand. You have Evo, who has his own brand. Mm-hmm. You have PWX. They have their own brand. And they're three different promotions in the same city. Yeah. And they're, and you guys are drawing all three different audiences. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were, you know, maybe 20 crossover fans that went yeah. to all promotions. But every And I worked for all three. Mm-hmm. And every promotion had their own like different audiences. little brand. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, this could be the beginning of the territories again. Mm-hmm. Because some of the guys were starting to go – like to Virginia yeah. or maybe to Georgia. They had just started going to set to uh, Florida and back and doing the mm-hmm. drives. As far as I know, and I'm sure they were, but I just got into business. It's right about that time where everybody really started not cross promoting, but putting themselves out there using Facebook and social media yeah. to get bookings like in other states. Evolution of all that. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. So anyway, KC was one of the first guys. And um, like, if I were to work for you, mm-hmm. Sometimes, let's say you would have me cue cards or like this past yeah. weekend, Brian Hawks emails me the introductions for all his workers, gotcha. right? Well, I didn't want to. Well, he's got one up on me dude, in professionalism. He's got a lot up on you in professionalism. Oh, my God. I hate you. <laughs> but, but um, you know, I didn't know if somebody was trying to screw me over uh-huh. or work me yeah. or rib me or whatever term you want to use. But I would never trust anybody. Yeah, because I knew I was the face out there, and if I was going to screw it up, I wasn't good enough at the time to cover for it. Yeah, so I would always check with the with the wrestlers and make sure the introductions are right. So mm-hmm. you said he's from uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, Carolina, and he weighed two hundred pounds. I would go to the guy, and he said, "No, say I'm from uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm two o one." Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, I wanted to make him happy because yeah. what I assumed at the time was these guys were using the same town and weight everywhere they went. Yeah. Little did I know. They changed it up. They were me. so unprofessional and had no clue what they weighed, mm-hmm. and they didn't stick with their own script. Yeah. And they just made themselves look so ridiculous. Listen, if you're 200 pounds this week, be 200 pounds for the next year unless you bulk up or lose a Yeah, I mean yeah. – have the same thing. Always have your music ready. Give the mm-hmm. guy your music. Yeah. Yeah, this is a little simple stuff that should go without saying. But anyway, I go to KC, and um, I say, hey, here's what I have for your introduction. How would you like for me to do it? He said, I don't need an introduction. When I walk out, they know who I am. <laughs> and I said, well, that's good, because when you go to WWE with that attitude, I hope they fire your beep. Yeah. And that was my only interaction with him really yeah no i had i, I had, like, had interactions with him before and i didn't really care prick. for him but yeah. that last that last time i like i i mean i'm I, I love him now but that last time i booked him and he came in he was like completely different to me well he was the guy see nobody else was he was the, one of the first guys yeah and it was on social media and you know like he was the guy yeah but uh anyway so uh yeah so i worked the uh cabrera shows the neighborhood theater th- shows, mm-hmm. and uh, like the York County YMCA shows, yeah. and that's pretty much where we were working. What was 
What's the PWX moment where you're announcing that just stay like sticks in your mind of I have one that I know it sticks in mine, but I'm pretty sure it sticks in yours. Um I was gonna see if that if if we're if we we're in the same way. I'll tell you what this. I always liked. Like I mean, none of that stuff ever really did anything for me. Yeah. Um because I didn't I didn't know who Ring of Honor was. Yeah. I didn't know who those guys were. I didn't know who Kevin Steen was. Yeah. Did they but did like do you have more so along and, the lines and, of if when whenever you're announcing something it I just t- it felt like you like you were a part of something I special. I tell you what I always liked doing. I always liked being in like even for Derek Vanderford's promotion, you know, Trans South. Mm-hmm. Um I always liked when we were in a place like the York County YMCA. Yeah. And I love that place. And you know, a couple hundred people are there. And um, Johnny Cash comes on. I've been everywhere, man. I've yeah. been everywhere, man. <laughs> and I would time my introductions for Jake and Grizzly Redwood, mm-hmm. the great outdoors. I would time that so whenever he would start doing the, I've been to Reno, Chicago, Fargo. Yeah. When he would start all that stuff, I would time it where they would come into the ring mm-hmm. or come out or whatever. Yeah. And it was always fun for me being the maestro to bring everybody together at that magic time. Yeah. You know, everybody comes together and we all pop at the same time and you yeah. get a reaction. I don't care who it was or how many people. Mm-hmm. That was always fun for me to feel that, like to feel the energy. And, and I'm like, oh, crap, you better work. You know, yeah. and I would change my cadence mm-hmm. to help tell a story. Yeah. So maybe I need two by a couple seconds yeah. to I don't see them coming. This is what people overlook all the time. Yeah, I don't. They're not coming through the curtain. Is he and making his way? To, you know. Yeah. So that was the fun part for me was that being the middle of the ring and have the pressure on me and to try to time the music, mm-hmm. their entrance, the reaction, the pop, all at the same time. Another thing I love about you, and it was always fun to do it in the small towns mm-hmm. where the wrestling was still real. Yeah. Versus going doing a bigger show where people came to see the wrestling as a sport or technique or that. Or like the big stars that you have yeah, on the card. Yeah, I could like care less about that. The, uh, another thing that I loved about your style is you would do that and, and time out stuff perfect without looking at the entranceway. Yeah. Like you never, like you, like once you, once you know somebody's entrance, you never look at the entrance. Yeah. Once you, like you'll see some people like look back and as soon as they walk out, ladies and gentlemen, coming to the ring, and a lot of times, what was what was you know, I would always set myself up. I would kind of do the same stuff every time, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't do the same stuff every time. Yeah. I wanted it to be a challenge to me. So, you know, approaching the ring from such and such, such and such. If I didn't feel like they were at the ring or in the ring, yeah. I would try to find the right verbiage to help tell a story that they're approaching the ring. Yeah. Or or I would be I would be wanting to say making their way to the ring. But I would look up and they would be in the ring. And I would say, currently in the ring from, you know, I always thought that was fun to challenge myself to mix mix up the verbiage based on how quick the guys got to the ring or or were they selling on the way to the ring. That was always fun to me. Instead of just being a talking head. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I've been a talking head many a times. (laughs) But it was always fun when you could 
take a step back, not be so serious and try to get better at what you did. And nobody even knew you were trying to get better except yeah. for me. Nobody knew it but me. Yeah. I was just challenging myself to yeah. see if I could get more diverse. The, so uh, what was the moment you had? I don't – because I really don't – I mean – I think it was Cedric and AJ. Oh, yeah, that was pretty good. That was – that I've, I've said it before on the podcast. I've said it before on like the Wrestling Open Forum podcast is that was – and you mean you talked about this is when you get in the grind, you overlook all these special things that you're doing yeah. and that's happening around you because you're so in the grind of like you got to get to next month. Got to plan it don't this. mean anything. It's it, just another yeah. – And that was one of the first times that I like stepped out of my position and my like mindset of I'm producing this show. I can't let anything come in. I remember stepping out and popping the earpiece out of my ear and just watching, like, as you announced AJ and Cedric and just being like, dude, like this moment makes me want to cry because I never thought I'd be a part of something like this. I never thought I would be able to give one of my best friends, Cedric, the match with or me and me and Brian and other people, everybody that was a part of it. Yeah. Give Tracy that, Myers. Tracy Myers. Yeah, all yeah. those guys were part that of it. I mean, they, like, I've never thought. I mean, you have 800 people in Ziggy's, like, almost to, like, almost max amount of people that are allowed yeah. in there. It's like surrounding this entire ring. And you see, have, like, to, like, to the wrestling fans around here, um, AJ was the guy in this area, you know, right down the street in Georgia at Anarchy or whatever. Yeah, but, and then he went to Impact. And, mm-hmm. and you know, it, I don't want to say, you know, listen, I'd like to work for Impact, okay? Yeah. But the reality is to a lot of people, nobody cares about Impact. Yeah. But he was a big guy there. He was, he, was, a, he was the guy. Yeah, he was the guy there. I'm assuming that's where he got better or did his, some of his best work or whatever. I didn't watch it. Listen. And the crazy, the crazy thing about AJ but was he grew and became a star while he was contracted to TNA and an Impact. But all the wrestling fans, true wrestling fans around mm-hmm. here, guys like Adrian and all those yeah. guys, they knew, they knew who he was and where he yeah. would be. And they wanted to come see him and support him on his journey. Yeah. And then on the backside, you got this young kid, Cedric Alexander, mm-hmm. who – Everybody had tried to groom and help and invest in and tell him he sucked and this sucked and this didn't work and try this. Yeah. He was, he was getting his pinnacle and these two – this was like the first big dream match. Yeah. I mean, we had done dream match series before, but we knew – And the Jay Lethal match was a big deal. That, I think that was the start of was the Jay Lethal match. Right. But see, again, that's the Ring of Honor audience mm-hmm. versus a guy that a lot of people ran here knew. Yeah, yeah. And he had – so everybody – or more people would know AJ – and then you had people who just came to the bar. It yeah. was Sunday afternoon. It was entertainment. It was after WrestleCade. It was it something was, to do. Yeah. yeah. So there was a a lot the of – whole mix of – Everybody. I mean, different – the atmosphere was electric because everybody was that was there was looking for something different. Yeah. You know, this guy was looking to drink a couple of beers. This guy's mm-hmm. looking to hook up with somebody. Mm-hmm. This guy's a wrestling fan. This guy stayed after uh, WrestleCade. This yeah. guy drove up because he wanted to see AJ yep. and all that. Yeah, I remember that. That was a lot it of fun. Was, yeah, incredible moment. And to put over the High Spots Wrestling Network one more time, <laughs> if you want to see that, you can go. Actually, it's on the PWX YouTube as well. Is it? For free, the whole yeah. the whole thing. But I remember the f- opening shot of that, of going into that match, was Mitch walking around. Shout out to Mitch. Mitch walking, like checking the turnbuckles. Mitch buckles. wants to come back to work, by the way. Yeah, he I, know, last week. I know. He's, and it, I know. We won't get into that. The, uh, I'd love to have him back, but he just won't show up. Yeah. The uh, the opening shot was him, like his turnbuckle. face, checking the turnbuckles, being like, what the hell is happening? 
and then like it go it fades to you. Like he walks by and it stops on you, and that's when you say, "Oh," and, and start the start the whole deal. And I'll always remember that. And I'm like, man, because I mean that that's got like, oh, I want to say over a hundred thousand views really? on YouTube. Yeah, you know, I, um, whenever that match is insane. I tell you something else is fun when you're in a setting like that, and like I'll have a. I'll have a phrase or something in my mind mm-hmm. that I think is going to work to get the people to pop. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want them to pop. I just want to take them on a ride yeah. like I got took on a ride when I was a kid, exactly. right? So I want to time everything and not get too high and not mm-hmm. get too low. And it was all, it's always fun to me when I did the big, you know, quote, matches like that. Yeah. And sometimes the fans wouldn't react. Mm-hmm. So it was always fun for me to change my inflection during the rest of the introduction to yeah. try to – Okay, you don't want to get on the cart, but I got something nice. So come on, yeah. You know, I would tr- I would try to entice them with my verbiage and my inflection to get them to get on the cart and take a ride with us, right? And that was always fun and because you, you, because then, you would expect them to you would expect them to jump right on and come with you. Yeah, but sometimes, sometimes they don't. Yeah, sometimes yeah and it's my job. Yeah. I felt like it was my oh, job yeah. to to do every little thing I could without putting myself over to bring those guys in the ring with me to say, hey, listen, hey. Listen, I just told you what's going to happen. You weren't paying attention, so tighten up. Come with me. Yeah. I'm going to show you what's going to happen. Exactly. And that was always fun for me to try to – something didn't work. Mm-hmm. It was always fun for me to try to come up on the spot with something else to get them to come along with the match. Always. Because once we got to the introductions between those yeah. two guys, everybody was invested yeah. in and that's fun. And that's the like because it don't the, always work like that. I don't care who the star is. Yeah. It don't always no, work like that. No. I don't care if it's the main event. You can't judge. Yeah. I don't you can't you can't assume anything. That's yeah, you can't. I don't it, care if you're the top star on the planet and it's the main event, you can't assume that everybody's there ready to buy in. Yeah. You can't because yeah. it don't always happen. The uh and I also like how you did the how you would add like little things like the Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Yeah. For Corey. I don't even know where that came up with. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I remember hearing uh I remember hearing an announcer say something like it was uh oh what's his name? Michael's guy. Al Michaels. Yeah. I think so doing the Alabama thing. Yeah. So I was he gave me his Yeah, that was always fun doing it for Corey. The, Corey always popped. And another for another little What happened uh, to Corey? I don't know. I think he's dead. I'm just kidding. He uh, lost. The, he lost the belt. I mean, not the belt. He lost the match to Skyler, and then he said he's done. Oh, so he really is done. I guess. Oh, okay. But anyway, he. I mean, I've talked to him here and there, but uh, just yeah, ask him how he's doing. He always tries to get me. He he does like he legit. I know some people say they're from somewhere, but they're really not. They they live somewhere else. Yeah. But he legit lives in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Yeah, it was because always... he, he tries to get me down for Bama games all the time because I'm know, a Bama fan. Um, we did a show for Ring of Honor, and. Atlanta mm-hmm. and Corey was one of the talents, and I got to do him Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Oh, really? Yeah, I think it ended up on TV. He said, "Man, please do it good." Nice, yeah. Nice. So that's always fun. The uh, oh, I was gonna say, oh, another little Easter, uh, not Easter egg. Is it Easter egg? Is that what's called? Like I guess. things that people don't know. Hidden is gym. I remember being in a is at a PWX show. It was before an IP review. Uh, being in the arena and me and you messing around with music. Cause we used to use your laptop before we started doing screens and, uh, you playing scholars, uh, music, scholars music and yelling at Skylar who was in the ring and be like, you need to come out of this guy. It was, uh, yeah. what's the name of that song? Um, Des- desperation, desperation. Yeah. You need to come out of this, John. And John's like, okay, I will. 
And yeah, now, now that I, that song, anytime anybody hears that song that's a PWX fan or a wrestling fan in the Carolinas, thinks of John Schuyler. Yeah, when which they is hear the insane song, yeah. how little thought went into that. Well, I can no, it was actually was well, it was some, a lot of thought because it was when he was doing his whole thing with Jake. Well, you know what? I was coming back from the beach for that show as well, mm-hmm. um, and. Eminem just came out with that new album, and I was listening to it, and I heard that song, and I was like, man, that would be perfect for Skylar. Yeah. Because I could see him coming to the ring. With that cadence. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the timing and everything of the song. Girl, you give me writer's block. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I could see him coming through the curtain mm-hmm. and with his hillish yeah. facials. That's when he had the, the Tupac headband. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, he could, and he had such good facials. You know, I knew he could tell a story along with that music, and I felt like people would ride with him to the ring. Yeah. So it, it worked out for him. All right. So then when, I guess the next step, well, you, had, you had some Ring of Honor shots. Ty got there. me hooked up with Ring of Honor. Man, that was like my second year in the business. Mm-hmm. They came to somewhere. Um, they came in Charlotte, and he got me the shot mm-hmm. to do ring announcing. You know, because to them at that time, I mean, ring announcers are a dime a dozen. Yeah. I mean, anybody. It's, it's, a lot of people don't understand that. Anybody can show up. Even some people do it now. You know, but you, good, ring, good ring announcers are hard to find. Well, but the fact that people don't put emphasis on finding really good ring announcers. Well, because you can take any guy, put him in a suit, and he'll work for free because he gets to be in front of people and he, yeah. he loves it, right? And, then, and all of them have that same mimic voice like I do. That, ladies and gentlemen. And it's the same thing it's as it's the not same, good. same thing as referees. You know, you show up with a striped shirt, put some guy in a referee shirt, you know, smoke a joint with him after the show, and everybody's happy, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and Ring of Honor was doing the same thing then. You know, they would go to a local town. They're not going to fly Bobby Cruz. Why would they? Yeah, they just find a local ring announcer. Just find a local guy. And some guys sucked. Some guys didn't. Mm-hmm. And they didn't care. It's going on DVD. They could care yeah, less. They could kill all, they but could, that was before. They, he might be in the main event, but they'll They didn't do have to care then. Yeah. You know, it's, they were on a, it was a different level then. Mm-hmm. Uh, they care now because yeah. they fly Bobby Cruz everywhere. Yeah. But uh, I got that shot with him. And... Uh, I remember them telling me about the Proving Ground match. It was Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. And whoever won that match got a shot for such and such. I'm not sure what it was. Um, but I remember them giving me that. That was the first line, big grouping of verbiage I had. And I was like, dude, don't screw this up. Yeah. And uh, I remember getting that right in the ring thinking, oh, okay, now I should be able to go to a different level. You know, now I should be able to go from a ring announcer to – now I can memorize this stuff. Yeah, you know, as silly yeah. as that sounds, man, that's progression. And and I mean, they what they probably had what four, five, six hundred people. Yeah, at the show. Yeah. Um, so so in order in and that's when in people a sense can, that's like a step. That's your stepping stone. Man, there is you you knock that out of the park. You you showed yourself that you can do this, and it's really not as hard as you thought it was. And the good thing was, you know, that led to me. Uh, doing other shots with Ring of Honor, mm-hmm. I got to go to Minnesota. I got to go to San Antonio. Mm-hmm. I got it, to I got to do the Supercard of Honor show in, in California. California, yeah. I was about yeah. to say, I remember you doing that one. Yeah, so you know, it led to opening some doors. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they were never going to make me their guy. They had their guy, but, yeah. but it was nice and fun to be able to fit in. But and you, fill you in. became their back, like not using yeah, this as like a, a yeah for like a year maybe. Until yeah. you had other opportunities. Yeah, I mean, I had other opportunities, and the pay wasn't enough to justify me being gone. A Ring of Honor ring announcer 
TV star or whatever yeah. you want to call it. Just yeah. the, it wasn't the, it didn't justify me being gone. Yeah. Because the whole thing was, again, I wanted to set an example for my kids, mm-hmm. but I also knew I couldn't be gone on the road living a lifestyle that I didn't live anyway. You know, I couldn't take away, I couldn't tell them what I was going to do and then be a hypocrite yeah. and be gone all the time. And yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. So I understand. If, if it didn't justify me being gone and it was just a lateral move, yeah, it you just it wasn't worth me doing it. You you were it was becoming wor- complacent. It was worth me going out of state mm-hmm. half a dozen times for me to be able to put on a resume to make it look like I was something that I wasn't. Yeah. To get another opportunity somewhere else. Yeah, it was a resume builder, and that's what I did it for. Yeah. That's but, why. But it, in turn, it like what you said with that Charlotte show, it gave you something to make you a better better at your profession. Yeah. Well, it challenged so, me. It was something new. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, you know, anybody can say, ladies and gentlemen, following contest, everyone fall, yeah. bing, bang, boom. Mm-hmm. But it challenged me to do something else. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I reached out about doing another show and another show and another show. And funny story was um, um, I just built a new office, right? Yeah. And I was hanging some of my memorabilia and memory stuff yeah. that I have up, right? And one of the things I hung up was a check, a copy of a check that I got from Ring of Honor. Really? Uh, sorry, Bobby Cruz, 225 bucks. Mm-hmm. And I know that's more than you get yeah. paid to announce. Um, I hope it's not now. But right after that, they started paying me to use my sound system. Yeah, I remember that. That was another thing I did. You know, I, mm-hmm. I bought my own sound system because, Super smart. because if I was going to be the face and the voice of a company. You wanted it to be good. I wasn't going to be the guy. With a wired mic hooked up to a woofer mm-hmm. in front of 40 people. Yeah. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But I knew if I invested in me, so every, everybody else would invest in me. And they did. And they did. I yeah. paid for that sound system the first year. Really? Yeah. I got booked. I was, I, dude, I did like a hundred. Yeah, that's when you were everywhere. I did like a hundred shows that one year. Mm-hmm. And everybody used Because then I, I think everywhere. it was just Ken that had the sound system. Yeah, Ken had the sound system. Ken Spence yep, had the sound yep. system and like one other person that you yep. get a sound system from, and unless then, a building had a sound system. Yep. You know, people were paying me, um, you know, three, four, five hundred bucks. Yeah. It don't take long to pay for that. It's true. So I didn't, think, I didn't think about that. Yeah. So that's one of you know that's one of the things I did. I, I would always I I couldn't exp- how can I ask you to invest in me when I'm not even investing in me? Yeah. How can I do that? Maybe that's old school, but. That's true. I, I can't do that. I'm a firm believer in that. You know, that's that's how it worked out with the Ring of Honor deal. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to invest in me. Um, I went out and bought some red ties mm-hmm. and a nice slim fit black suit, mm-hmm. like a Ralph Lauren suit. Yeah. Um, that's before William William Wilson started doing my suits for me. Yeah. Um, but I had to invest in me. For them to give me another shot, I just couldn't show up with a loose-fitting suit yeah. and some off-color tie. I wanted to brand myself with the mm-hmm. company with the black suit, the red tie. That's what I did the Supercard of Honor. I did a black tux, and I had the red accessories. I remember me and you talking yeah. in the hotel room before you did because Supercard if, of Honor, like, and you laying out stuff and be like, what do you think looks the best? Because if they're going to invest in me, mm-hmm. I need to invest in them. Yeah. Because... If I'm not helping them make money, if I'm not helping them sell the product, if I'm not helping them sell T-shirts, if I'm not telling yeah. stories to help make the workers bigger and badder or nicer or whatever than they are, 
nobody's coming back. Yeah. Well, if nobody's coming back, nobody's spending money. If nobody's spending money, none of us have a job. Exactly. So I always figured I had to sacrifice and invest in me because I can't ask anybody to invest. To invest in me if I'm not investing in myself. Yeah. And that's how the Ring of Honor. It has Honor, to be a joint investment and because. How, and that's how the Ring of Honor thing kept going. That's that's what I try to preach to people is we. Because it can be so lost on people that don't understand business that, oh, you want, you want me to do this for you? Well, what are, what are you going to do for me type thing? When like Say say we're booking a talent in, in, our, in our wrestling company. And. I've tried. I tried to do it. Evo was never going to get bigger than it got. That's why I closed it because Evo, because Evo was built to build the wrestlers. Yeah, it wasn't built to become this main, this powerhouse in professional wrestling. It was built to say these are the next guys. These are the guys that I believe in, and that the people that I trust believe in. And dude, your graphics and and all that stuff sold your company. Oh yeah, easily. I mean. Just like just like Manny's production mm-hmm. for his XWW yeah. show, I mean, I don't care what anybody said. All y'all guys were stealing his ideas and his, oh yeah. His, I mean, I didn't. Maybe not you so much, but PWX would. Like yes, you know his production ideas. He was telling stories with guys who were on a single A level at the yeah. time, right? Yeah. Um, he was making them stars with them with stars. technology with yeah, video man, editing exactly, and I mean. Manny is the only person that I looked at around here and was like, this guy could give me a run for my money on my talent level. Well, that's the like, thing. And he's like, he's like, unbelievably talented. What I have him on, I think, is graphics. Yeah. I can do well, the your, graphics stuff. Yeah, your graphics, soldier stuff. And it's the same story that I was doing trying to build my what yeah. I was doing, man. I mean, you you take something and you – like. I had this young kid that started working with me six months ago, mm-hmm. and he showed up and he said, oh, man, I'm going to learn this and this and this, and I'm going to help you make money. And I said, listen, let's chill with the lip service. Yeah. You know, just do, just, prove yourself yeah. first, right? And that's what, like, you packaged your product with graphics, mm-hmm. and you had the talent to back it up. So when you put the graphics out there and the family of four who has money mm-hmm. – Say, oh, this looks enticing. Let's go check this out. Then yeah. you had the product to back it up. Yeah. Then you had a ring announcer, and a, you know everything was professional. Secure guys in security shirts mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Now you present the product where people, would, the average guy, would come back. Right. Yeah. Manny did the same thing with with his production. He had like the single A guys of yeah. wrestling working for his promotion, but you know he would pack out Tremont Music Hall. He would have mm-hmm. four hundred people in there. He would go to the skating rink and have 250 people there mm-hmm. on a Sunday night just because of the way he was telling stories yeah. was production. It's the same thing. It's no different than me buying a sound system do you think suits the, and stuff and investing in your own product. Do you think the issue it. there was that he didn't have the product to bring him back? No. I think um, I think what happened was is I think he had – I don't know Manny. I've talked to Manny on the phone. I've had a two-hour conversation with him on the phone. I've met him once in person, and I was, like, in a crowd at one of his shows because I went with Tyshawn. I think Manny's thing was Manny didn't have confidence in Manny. Okay. And, See, I don't know him that – I didn't know him that well. And he didn't realize how good of a thing he had. Yeah. 
and it's almost he would look at he would look at Manny was a leader. Manny's product was better than I'm, I don't care who pisses off. Manny's product was better than PWX. It was better than Evo as far as a as far as an entertaining mm-hmm. perception product went. Well, you know, is is his product not what what's his Fireball stole? No, whenever. no, no. So what what happened was PWX Tyshawn uh-huh. was still the not no he wasn't stealing nothing. You don't steal anything, right? He just did it better. You know, he well he he used more Manny notable go, names. To Manny do the would same go. Thing. Manny would go to the chop shop. Tyshawn would go to the chop shop. Okay. Manny would go to this place. Tyshawn would go to this okay. place. Manny booked Matt Hardy. Tyshawn booked Matt Hardy. And gotcha. what happened was, okay. um, he kept taking everything that XWW did with Manny and doing mm-hmm. it better. Okay. And Manny just lost. I guess he lost his drive. Like yeah. everybody just took off and left him. Well, that was a that was the thing with because I was like Manny was he was doing the. He was doing the music videos, he was doing his production stuff, and he was doing the wrestling stuff. Okay, well, Manny's the one who hooked me up with doing the video for Our Truth, yeah. which was the next thing that I did after the Ring of Honor stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, because like I said, I was building a resume. Uh, he does the video with Our Truth, mm-hmm. which Eric Adams hooked him up with Ronnie, and they asked me to come in and play the Dr. Nuts guy. Yeah. Well, supposedly that video. Um, he took it and showed it to uh, Vince and Stephanie and Hunter, mm-hmm. and they were supposed to use it as this new entrance video music, right? Yeah. Well, apparently he goes and posts it on YouTube before they did it, uh. and about the same time in December he got hurt. Uh, he got cut real bad or cut yeah. his knee or something, so uh. he was out of action. So all that got pushed to the side. But if it wasn't for Manny, I wouldn't have had that connection. Yeah. Then I had that video. Yeah. So now I'd started – people could see I started here, went to here, went to here, yeah. got this shot, was flying and you have here. These little, and you have these little bookmarks. And now I'm working with people. this WWE superstar. You don't believe me? Here's the yeah. video to show it, right? Yeah. So I started using all that. My air conditioning business was growing. Then um, I got hooked up with a guy in South Carolina – he needed a quote on some air conditioning work. Mm-hmm. I go talk to the guy. Come to find out, his brother was the director of Supercross. And well, I, here before we get into that, I want to talk about some WrestleCon stuff. Okay. So, because that's what we're going to finish on. Because I, that's that's the thing that I that was the one thing that like me and you haven't like talked a lot about is the the big MJ stuff. But so real quick, WrestleCon. When when was your first? You know when? Do you remember when your first WrestleCon was? I don't know what order they. Um, I think it was my it first one was Atlanta. I know you didn't do Atlanta. Mine would have had to have been New Orleans. Okay, so that was the first the first time. So that was five years ago. Yeah, five. Yep. Yeah. It's like my second year in the business. Yeah. But like my second year. In the I business. remember telling Mike. I was going. I was Mike going, knew about you from PWX, but Mike asking me. About like, do you think we could do Corky for ring announcing? And I was like, yes, definitely. And Corky has a sound system. And he goes, okay, I'll get in touch with him. I was yeah. like, okay. See, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, I forgot I said, about so that. You, so you get a full package, and you know, Mike's like, okay, I'll get in touch with him. And well, it's then, just easy. Not so, saying I'm the one that solidified it because I think he was already going to use you, but I remember him asking me about that. But about, it was like, you Corky, know because he really didn't because Mike would show up at some of the PWX shows, but not a lot. Well, booking me was easier than a lot of stuff because when you did a big show like that, 
I brought everything with me. You know, I might have not been the most talented guy, but I was always clean cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was always in a nice suit. Yeah. I was always professional. I had the sound well, system. I had the wireless mics. That's it what was I was going to say. There's no drama. Book Corky, here's what he's got. We don't have to worry about this. Let's go worry about exactly. something Exactly. That's what I was going to say is at the risk of sounding like I've been putting you over this entire podcast, but that's what I do for my guests. But you brought a level of professionalism that he wasn't used to with Russell Khan. And you're a business guy. You're, you know money. You know how to run a successful business. So then it became part where he could get your opinion on things. And it's the same thing with me, not saying that I'm, I don't have, my business isn't as successful as yours, but I know how to make smart decisions from a business perspective on things. So when Mike gets that trust in you, then you're more valuable to him than just being, oh, he's the ring announcer. Yeah, because you know he mean? don't he don't have he's got a million things going on. Oh yeah. And if you're gonna trust if you're gonna trust me and pay me, then it's my job to help you make money. Yeah. Because if you're not making money, you can't afford to pay me. And if I like it, I want to come back and get paid again. Exactly. And Mike, Mike doesn't so, so trust I'll, us with run pretty much run. He doesn't trust me in running that the building that houses as far as the production the, and the as far as the production and the wrestling and the announcing mm-hmm. and all that stuff, he don't have to worry about that no. at all. He and comes, that's what he goes to you. You yeah. come to me, and he handles everything else. Exactly, and it, he doesn't he doesn't trust me. He doesn't trust me housing where all the shows are and tr- trusting in me to make sure all the shows go off with a hit, without a hitch and everything's good there. He doesn't trust you with all the video and sound stuff and the presentation things and making sure you cover everything that's going on that day when you talk to the to the main room. Like he doesn't and he he basically just says you guys handle it. Go. He doesn't that's micromanage he does. us. Yeah. And it's because we You know, I think he did that pretty much the first year. Yeah. I think so. I think I remember um it was me. I think me and you were like over. Dude, I, you know the what? House. I'll tell you what? He had me um, the first year in it New wasn't Orleans. Because I left. It was you. Because I left New Orleans. Because I had to come back. Remember, I had to come back up here to North Carolina, and I wasn't there Saturday. I know um, the crowd was insane, right? Yeah. We were right across the street from WWE Access. Yes. Yeah. So we were getting a ton of walk-up that nobody – I mean, you expect so much, but you didn't expect that much. But it was insane. Much, right, right. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, he said, Corky, I need you up front. And people were just coming in with tons of money. Yeah. Just yeah. trying to get in, trying to get in. Yeah. And he trusted me to sit there and count money and hand out wristbands and take change and all that stuff. And I remember taking – I would take the money and I would – because I'm, I'm a countable guy. You know that. Yeah. I want to make. I would count it, write down what it was, go show it to somebody else, yeah. make sure they counted. Sure the last thing covered. anybody's gonna say is Corky stole something from yeah. us. and I would make sure it was right, and then I would hand it off to somebody. Mm-hmm. But I would cover my tracks yeah. all the way out, and he knew he could trust me from then on. Yeah. The uh, so you've done five Russell cons. I've done. I've I've been to six because I missed the first New York, New Jersey. This will be my first New York, New Jersey Russell con that I've been to or that I do. Um, like what's what's the most memorable moment from a WrestleCon? Because I mean, we've worked with you closer than me because you're in the ring with them. We've worked with some insanely talented dude. I people. never I never look at that. I mean, 
I look at it like, but like you, I tell you, when it's fun for me, it's fun for me. Like I just built this new office. It's fun for me when I go through pictures, like photos and stuff, and stuff like that, and then it clicks. Right? I'm like, man, I've been really fortunate to do all this stuff. But while I'm doing it, I can't. While I'm doing you can't get it, lost in it. Nah, yeah. my job's just as important as the guy next to me. But you and, still take it in, don't you? Like, for instance, I take the excitement in. Um, I could care. I could care less who I'm introducing. I could like, care less. Like, listen, if I did John Cena and CM Punk tomorrow night, I would care less. But I you, pro- gotta, listen, you, gotta, you know me good enough to know. Yeah. If I'm doing John Cena versus mm-hmm. CM Punk at next year's WrestleMania mm-hmm. in New York, I promise you, one million percent. If I left that ring doing introductions and sit down at ringside, I'm not watching the match. Yeah. I'm You're not worried about what you got to do next. I could care less about that match. Yeah. I could care less. But what I would take in is the ride that I could help take, you know, 75,000 yeah, people on mm-hmm. to set the stage so those guys could take them on the real ride. Yeah. Right? You yeah. know. I just have a small point. Yeah, like you're you're the voice that's talking to them when they're going up the first hill. Yeah. Before they drop. Yeah, yeah. We're, I'm taking them to the that's top. That's a good analogy. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. So, yeah, it's my job to keep them excited. Exactly. But keep them calm. Yeah. Listen, here's what's going to happen. We're going to get to the top. The mm-hmm. click, 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 Whenever click, you hear the click, stop. Yeah. Throw your hands up because it's these, on. Because yeah. these boys are going to go. But it's yeah. my job to get you prepared to get to the top. Yeah. Until the roller coaster goes over the first leg. And that's my – so I don't care who it is. I just – I just it's fun for me to help set the table. The I'm trying and get to get the like, excitement level. So I, one I, of the, well, the only reason I asked is because the funny, last I, year's one thing I remember from all the WrestleCons is oh you know what something just popped in my head. Um, I think it was me, you, Cedric, and Ariel took a picture outside. Took a picture together outside of San Jose. It, might, it was Seth. I think it was Seth. Yeah. Yep. Me, Seth, Cedric, and Ariel. Took a picture. I say I'm not a picture guy. And I look back at that. I look back at that now, and like we all had fun, mm-hmm. sit together, and it was right before Cedric got a shot to make it. You yeah. know, and that was that was fun. Um, I remember talking crap to uh, what's his name? What's his name? Talks like this. WWE guy that was in the store buying wine. Uh, what's his oh, uh, Laurenitis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was I was with you in that with that. And that was in New Orleans. I remember going to him and uh, talking, <laughs> said something about, are you coming to the such and such show? He says, no, I'm not. I That's said, not my job anymore. I said, you, I said, you need to. He said, why? I said, because you'll be hiring me as your ring announcer. That's why. No, that's when he said that's not my job. He said that's my. He said that's not my job anymore. I said, well, it needs to be. Yeah. And if it's not, you need to get the person whose job it is and tell them to come there. Yeah, I remember that. I said, I hope to see you tomorrow or whatever. That was funny. You remember the Dixie Carter at Cabarrus? Oh yeah, tell it. <laughs> Dixie Carter walked by with her with her uh, like with her group of people that she was doing like a tour to. Yeah, and somebody says, "Oh hey, that's Corky Frank." Me and Corky, it's just me and Corky standing there, like in an empty, empty arena. arena. Yeah, with like before they do Bound for before Glory. Bound for Glory, yeah. And uh, oh, and she's like, "Oh hey, Corky Franks." Or no, she said, who is Corky Franks? And you said, the best damn ring announcer in the world. She said, somebody said, hey, there's Corky Franks. She said, who's Corky Franks? She said, it's the uh, local ring announcer or something. She said, hey, Corky Franks or something, local ring announcer. I said, well, I don't have to be the local ring announcer. I can be your ring announcer. She That's said, right. She said, send me a, fill out an application. I said, I just did. When do you want me to start? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I walked off and I was like, what in the, what is let happening? Me tell you, let me tell you how I got, uh, this, I don't want to get off subject. This is funny. 
You know how I got a lot of the Ring of Honor bookings? Listen, those guys are busy. There's a yeah. whole lot more talented people to deal with than me. Yeah. I'm, I'm way down at the bottom no of the totem pole. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is, right? Yeah. I know my place. They got a lot, they got a lot of stuff uh, going on. A whole on. lot more crap to worry about than me, than yeah. a ring announcer, right? Um, so I would send them an email. It would be like, ring announcing Atlanta naked pictures. So it would be ring announcing <laughs> Atlanta slash naked pictures, right? Uh-huh. They were, because I had to get them to open the email. Yeah, yeah. They're not going to open the email for me to be the ring announcer in Atlanta. They yeah. could care less. Yeah. Or Minnesota or San Antonio or whatever, right? So I would always put something like that. I would put Cedric Alexander naked photos or something. <laughs> or, but it was, you know, it was a, kind of a rib, right? But they always opened the email, the email, and they'd always laugh, and they'd always thank me for being creative, and yeah. they'd always give me the shot every single time of day. Yeah. You know, so the ne- whoever's listening to this can't go do that anymore. Yeah. But come up with something else. Yeah. Right? Like go think outside the box. Yeah. So that helped me stay in contact. There, like I say, dude. They're so busy. They're it's a oh, yeah. it's a multi million dollar. Oh, business I never now. I never knew about it. And we like ours isn't nowhere near. I mean, we we run. There's a lot of stuff going on at PWX. Yeah, but I never took into consideration how busy someone could be until I got thrusted into that position and like the success started happening. Could you imagine being Hunter? Could, no, God no. Because as far as I know, he don't have a lot of help. And, and I'm not saying that his help is sorry. Yeah. I'm just saying that's the that's the yeah. way it's set up. Yeah, because they they're not going to pay anybody. To that's help their them. structure, right? Mm-hmm. So he's having to handle all that. So when Corky Frank's name comes across your desk, you have to have a reason. Yeah, it's like who's Corky Frank? You have to have a reason mm-hmm. to stop what you're doing and and be intrigued and see if he does have something to offer. And and if he does open the email. You have to catch his eye because I'll open emails from people all the time, and I'll say I'll get back to them, and then I just I get, and I lose it, and, and it's it, gone. And, and, it it's, would, and I would say, sorry, um, I can't. I didn't want to send the pictures through email, but I have them on my phone. So when I see you, ask me, and I'll show them to you. <laughs> yeah. It would always be something silly yeah, like that. But right? yeah, which you appreciate, which is like you'll laugh and you'll say, "Good one, Corky." They okay. would laugh. They would say, "Good one, Corky." They would think. Oh, the dude's absolutely no maintenance. Mm-hmm. He's good. Let's go ahead and bring him down. It'll be easy. Exactly. And then it, they and they then check another box. They check another box. They don't have to worry about this guy. Yeah. Let's go on to something else. Exactly. All right. So to finish it up, we'll because I know you got to get one, out here. One, one more funny story. Okay. I'm up for funny stories. So um, I'd met Jeff Jarrett at the first WrestleCon show. He came in out and was lit in New Orleans. Oh, when they you were sure that was New Orleans. Yeah, they were crapping. I remember all when over. he was. I remember in Dallas. No, this was New Orleans. Okay. Well, maybe they crapped all over him in Dallas. It was Dallas. Well, okay. Yeah. So anyway, I met him in New Orleans. We worked together. He came to the back, put me over. So I did a good job. Thanked mm-hmm. me for doing it. So did Karen. You know, et cetera, et cetera. She's always been nice. Yeah. Um. And so he gave me his email. I, mean, I didn't never had any reason to. I mean, yeah. I got a. I got a life and other stuff to do yeah i didn't have any reason um so two years ago come no a year and a half ago jared was running impact mm-hmm. and i saw him somewhere else and i was like when are you gonna give me a shot to do ring announcing uh you know we don't fly anybody in we don't do this you know, don't have the budget yada yada, yeah. yada so i sent him an email and i was helping coach this was Brittany's senior year in mm-hmm. south point and they asked me to help coach that year. 
and I sent him an email about they were they were filming in Orlando. I said, like, well, I'll make the drive and give it a shot. I can be on TV, have something else to put on my resume, and maybe yeah. use it to get something else, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because that's always my, been my thing. If you give me a shot, I'll take advantage of that and use it. Just like these young guys come working for PWX. Don't just come work for PWX and get two Twitter followers and think you're happy. Take the video that you mm-hmm. get working for PWX for your payday. Use it to get booked somewhere else. Some of these other local shows. These other guys, don't, they don't do that. It's yeah. unreal. Um, so anyway, I sent him an email, um, and I said, if you don't book me, I'll be easy to find. I'll be the guy in a custom-made suit wearing a Rolex and $750 Burberries. Nice. So that was my email. <laughs> yeah. He sends me back, LOL. Um, I'll check and see about booking you or something. Yeah. He never got back. I sent him something. I sent him something else stupid like that. Mm-hmm. Well, long story short, he had booked me to come be the announcer at Impact. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, man. You know, I was doing the Monster Jams stuff, mm-hmm. and I was thinking, is it really worth me to drive to Orlando with no guarantee? Mm-hmm. My business is doing good. Yeah, I've got this thing with Monster Jam. Mm-hmm. What am I going to benefit? How my, how's Corky yeah. Frank's going to benefit yeah. from it? But I got in my car that morning driving to Orlando, and... um about an hour and a half into the trip, I said, you know what, man? We have a game tomorrow night. Brittany's hitting second. It's her senior year. Yeah. She's playing well. Those kids need me more than I need to be go, go be go some Orlando. mark or whatever. Yeah. Just to say I work for Impact on TV. And I made the right decision because – you know, long not long after that, they sold, and now they're in Canada. And, yeah. of course, they're going to use a local announcer in Canada yeah. because they don't have to pay a lot and this and that. But mm. David Penzer ended up going back doing the impact stuff because Corky didn't show up <laughs> nice. for impact wrestling. <laughs> the, uh, so you, meant, you just mentioned it, so we'll jump into it. And now you're announcer Broadcast? Was it, how would you would you class announcer? Well, the, like stadium announcer. Well, no, the Monster Jam deal came out. I used the uh, R Truth video mm-hmm. and my Ring of Honor stuff and my resume. I just man, I just got fortunate and met a guy. His brother was the director of Supercross for Monster Jam, and um, I told his brother, I said, "Hey, I've worked with this guy and this and this. Let me mm-hmm. show you." He sends it to his brother. And I told him, I said, I'll fly myself out this weekend and audition as an announcer. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, well, I appreciate the offer, but it don't work like that. Give us, uh, send me your resume and a demo reel, and I'll get it to who we need yeah. to get in touch with. That was in, like, February. I remember that. when you told me, like, you're sending your reel to Monster Jam and me being like, what? So like, that- me thinking – like I remember when I just when I heard Corey for the first time and was like, "Yeah, I want to use him." And then remembering you go to a Ring of Honor, or you go to PWX, you go to Ring of Honor, you go to WrestleCon, and I'm like, "Dude, if he makes this step, like that's incredible." So, this was like February. In June, mm-hmm. I'm going back to Nicaragua. It's kind of funny how the whole thing just tied up that way. So I'm going back to Nicaragua. Mm-hmm. The Monday before we fly out, we usually fly out on a Thursday. The Monday before we fly out, I get an email from 
Scott Douglas about a Monster Jam announcing gig. Mm-hmm. Well, no offense, I didn't know who Scott Douglas was. Yeah. Just like I didn't know who Chris Shore was. Just yeah. like I didn't know who Bobby Cruz was. Uh-huh. But I knew those guys were in a spot that I wanted. Yeah. So I had to go look and see who Scott Douglas was. Yeah. Come to find out, man, he's an icon. He's oh. a legend. <laughs> really? In and, motocross and yeah. like... Well, yeah, awesome. anybody in that world, he's a superstar, right? Yeah. So he asked me, can he call me? I send him my number. The next thing you know, he calls. We talk. I had no experience in motorsports, mm-hmm. except for the fact that I worked in the operations department at the Charlotte Motor Speedway um, after the after the construction deal didn't work out. Yeah. And I never went to TV. Uh-huh. I ended up going to the Charlotte Motor Speedway working over there. Gotcha. So I think the fact that I had done some announcing for a TV company, Ring of Honor, mm-hmm. even though it wasn't a big deal back then, yeah. it was still a TV deal. The that fact, was before. That was before they blew up. That was before Sinclair, four, this wasn't is, it? This, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is four years ago. Maybe. Um, the fact that I'd been on TV once or twice or whatever, three, I don't know how many times. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that I had worked with a WWE superstar. Yeah. On paper, I was pretty legit. Yeah. But the reality is, I'm just a white guy from <laughs> Belmont, North yeah. Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is, right? Uh-huh. But on paper, but the good thing you was- You created I, your brand. Yeah, but I backed it up. Yeah. You know, like the kid showed up and he had the lip service, and I said, dude, you can't have lip service unless you can back it up. Exactly. If you can, if you can talk the talk, you got to back it up, and you got to do it with humility. And that's what I did. So I'm just the average guy from a small town right outside of Charlotte. But I could back up everything that I had on paper. Yeah. Um, anyway, man, they flew me down. That was in June. They flew me down in August, trained me, um, opened my eyes to how the entertainment business is ran mm-hmm. and how it's supposed to be ran and how you make money and how you sell, how you present your product it's because it's a billion-dollar business. This guy's... You know, Failed Entertainment is the world's largest touring entity. It's bigger mm-hmm. than WWE mm-hmm. by a mile. And, you know, the guy owns the circus. He owns Supercross. He yeah. owns Disney on insane. Ice. He owns Marvel Universe. He owns Monster Jam. He owns yeah. all of it. Um, and this is a touring model. And um, so they brought me on. There was like five of us. They trained us. Uh, Scott Douglas personally trained me. Nice. <laughs> and gave me a shot, and the last time I saw him a couple of weeks ago, we were laughing at how I sucked. But he knew he felt like I could do it. Yeah, man, he gave me a shot, and I was an arena host mm-hmm. for Monster Jam for like three or four years. Um, then they brought in the newer, younger, hipper, mm-hmm. prettier um, talent. Yeah, and they got the spots, and the middle-aged white guy had to find something else to do. Um, they asked me to come and do AV work mm-hmm. on a stadium tour, and I didn't do it. That was right after I'd told Impact Wrestling no. Same yeah. same season. Yeah. Um, they asked me to do that, and I told them I couldn't. It was my daughter's senior year in high school, mm-hmm. and I wanted to stick around and support her. And um, so I told them no to that, thought the gig was up. Mm-hmm. And last year... In December, I get an old familiar phone call from Scott Douglas. Mm-hmm. says, hey, man, uh, we have a new position. It's the VIP experience host. Yeah. And it's on the Fox Sports Stadium Tour. 
and we think you're the perfect guy for it. So they asked me to come back and to a new position that had never nobody knew it wasn't proven. Yeah. And they trusted me with it. And now we're off and running and I'm take off next sat next Friday morning to go do a like my twentieth, eighteenth, twentieth show this year. Nice. And we take a break for Christmas and I start back the first of the year on another tour in stadiums all around the US. It's so crazy. It's unreal. <laughs> Yeah, it all started with a dream. It all started, it started it all, to show. It all started with a piece of paper that I didn't pursue because I thought construction. I thought fifteen dollars an hour cash money, and I was, was rich. Was rich. I thought I was rich, um, but then I knew I needed to close that chapter. Yeah, and I knew I could. I knew I'd always counted on myself. You know, man, I've been at the bottom many a times, and I've always mm. climbed my way out. So I knew if I could do it, I knew if anybody could do it, Corky Franks was going to do it. <laughs> yeah. So I just used it as motivation, and I wanted to, uh, you know, show my kids if I could pull it off. Listen, let's not fool ourselves. The white guy has ran the country for years. Yeah, and it is what it is. A lot of people have resentment, but I'm not that average. I'm not that white guy. Yeah. I'm just another. We're not, yeah, we're I'm not. Another, we're not the rich. The I'm just another white guy. Yeah, we're not the bo- born. No, I don't want to say born rich, but lineage rich. I grew up on sev- I grew up on 72 acres in a small town outside of Charlotte. Yeah, I still live on the same 72 acres. I grew up on a farm. Um, you know, we raised cows chickens pigs the whole nine yards if we wanted something we had to go work for it exactly we didn't have extra there was no extra money yeah didn't work that way if you wanted something bad enough you figure out how to go get it Mm -hmm. and go get it if you can't and you fail figure out why you failed and then and ask yourself do you want it bad enough to turn that failure into success if you didn't who gives a crap go find something else yeah yeah exactly so i knew with my track record the way i was brought up that i knew i could pull it off you had the work ethic. I had the, the work belief ethic. in yourself. That's the two big. And pieces. as long as I didn't take away from my family to inspire yeah. my kids, that's why I did. That's why I turned down the impact gig and the the other gig. Yeah. My, that's why I turned it down. You know, sometimes what sometimes things that you think might be the your big shot are just a stepping stone to getting to getting to your prior, like and final you, destination. You know this Monster Jam deal. I mean, I'm one of three guys, man. Mm-hmm. Myself, Mitch, Travis. You know they're on uh, they're on stadium tours, and there's only three of us. And they're going three to be, people out of they're going the to be, entire world. They're going to hire some more this year to work on the arena tours. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, three people on the planet have a shot to do that. Yeah, and I'm one. And of you're them. one of them. Yeah. And you know it's not a, it's not a lot of prestige. You're not on TV. You're not a superstar. You're not getting rich, but it's fun, man. And you still get to go out every week and challenge yourself and see if you can get better. And what worked last week mm-hmm. is not going to work this week. Yeah. But you try it because yeah. it worked. And when it don't work, you, you got the confidence out. to figure it out and know that you can make it work. And that's the whole fun of the chase, man. Yeah. And you know this isn't the end all. I've got other stuff I want to do, and I just have to ask myself: Is it worth my time and effort? to do it and if i decide that it is then i'll pursue that if not then i've had a pretty good gig and if there's nothing left you know the gig will be up and it'll be time for somebody else to take the spot because it was only my spot for the little bit of time i was in it anyway yeah so i'll tell you what i can't remember who told me this somebody told me uh 
you never know when your gig's going to be up, but just make sure when it is up, you got enough to write a book. Oh, I've already started a book. But it's not about it. this. It's about something else. <laughs> All right, Corgi. Thank you, man. Yeah, it's fun. Appreciate it, bud. Thank you for listening to Tuesday's special podcast. Subscribe on iTunes. Leave a like on this video. And, um, and comment down below. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> oh, my God.